Have you ever walked into a small, locally owned convenience store and the owner gives you the creeps? He seems to follow you around, watching you shop, stands a little too close, and says things to you that make you feel odd and uncomfortable. But once you leave, you seem to convince yourself it was all in your head. I'm sure everybody's experienced that. But this was not the case with the Bender family. There were many people that felt the same way. Only they too convinced themselves it was all in their head, ending up missing the next day. The Bender family stuck together, a little too close. And with a list of over 11 victims, the family disappeared. And to this day, they are considered America's first family of serial killers. Hi guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today we're gonna talk about the Bender family. This case will probably end up being a couple episodes. There's a lot of information and ground to cover regarding this family. And as you probably know from the beginning, this is a very old case. This is considered America's first family of serial killers. And the theories that surround this case will really never be proven or disproven because they've been gone for so long. I also really quickly want to apologize for not uploading last week. It was actually a holiday from where I'm from, and so I decided to take a week off and celebrate that holiday with my family, and I did not really give anybody any sort of warning. So I do apologize for being gone for a week. So let's go ahead and start with the family members. We'll start with Pa. His name was recorded to be John, and he was about 60 years old. And then we have Ma. Her real name has been recorded as a couple of different names. There are multiple sites who call her Kate, Mary, or Elvira. But in this case, we're just gonna go ahead and call her Ma, since we don't know for sure what her real name was. She was about 55 years old. And then they had two children together. Johnny, who was the oldest child of the two, was about 27 at the time, and he went by John. And Katie, who was about 24, who also went by Kate. Now, even though this family consisted of four people, they did not all move in together all at once. Pa and Johnny moved in very first. The Bender men moved in on the border of Kansas and Indian Territory years after the Civil War in 1870. These men built a 20 by 16 foot cabin while they were there. They also built a barn with a corral and a well on their 160 acres of land. Once all of this was built and ready to go, the women arrived. Ma and Kate arrived in the fall of 1871, about a year after the men arrived. And there were also a few other little families who moved in at the same time the Bender men did. They all settled on this piece of land, claimed what was theirs, built their own houses, and built a small community together. Now, when the Bender women arrived, they decided to split the cabin into two. They used a wagon cover that was made of canvas, and they didn't split it directly down the middle. They actually made one side a lot smaller, and that was what the family used as their living quarters. 
Back in the living area, they had a bed and just the minimal amount that they needed back there because they didn't use it very often. And they decided in the bigger part of the cabin, they were gonna build a general store and inn for people to come in. This way, they could have their land and their home, but also have a way to make some money, which is a very genius idea. And in those early years, Ma and Kate also decided to plant about two acres of vegetable gardens and apple orchards on the north side of the cabin to help sustain them and give them produce so that they could cook meals for these people that would come to their inn. And inside of this general store, they had a large table with a very heavy bench that they would sit their travelers and feed them meals when they decided to buy the meals. The backs of these travelers were placed against the canvas. And that's where they would sit, enjoy their meal, watch everybody that came in and out of this general store, and then they would get up and leave or choose to stay the night. If they decided to stay the night, they would actually pull some pallets in and make some pallet beds just directly on the inn floor for these people. And then in the morning, they would also get fed a hot breakfast meal and then they would be on their way. And then in a corner of this room, they actually had a small countertop with some shelves. On these shelves, they would sell things like ammo, some goods, and they would sell fruit and vegetables, just things that they have come across and bought that they thought travelers would also wanna buy if they stopped in. All of this sounded like a genius idea. The Bender families had a home and a store. They were making money, they had people coming in, and they sounded like a really great family. But this family would help encourage each other's mental illnesses and almost feed off of them. And that is what led them to be America's first serial killing family. Now that I've painted a picture of what this general store and inn looked like, let's get into the family themselves. Old man Bender was hulking and repulsive. He would end up usually working in the field because he was not that nice looking. He is recorded as barely speaking any English at all. And when he did, it would be a low growl and very unintelligible. And it was thick with his German accent. His appearance and the way he would speak sent a lot of women fleeing in terror away from him. And that's where he gained the nickname Old Beetle Brown John. And with that horrible nickname, they also talked about his wife. Ma Bender was not the most attractive woman either. Many recorded calling her a hag, actually. They talked about how she was overly fat with graying hair and looked much, much older than the rest of the Benders. She looked super mean and just unenthused with the world. She is also recorded in not being able to speak very much English either. But it came out in later articles that she spoke a lot more than people thought. She was actually fluent in English the whole time she was there and chose to act as though she spoke very little English. Probably so she didn't really have to speak to people, I'm assuming. But that is a little weird to hide. She most of the time would stay behind the canvas in the small sleeping area that the family lived in and she would cook the meals for the travelers. But she is recorded to being an amazing cook. She might have not been the prettiest, she might have been kind of rude, but she definitely could cook. 
But because she had such a rough, rude personality to her neighbors, it gained her the nickname, the She-Devil. And that's what her neighbors would start to refer to her as. But even though it's recorded that his parents weren't the most good-looking kind of people, Johnny actually got the better end of the deal. He was actually recorded to being a very, very handsome man. He had red-brown hair and a very clean mustache. And most of the time, he would tend to the horses. He would not do a lot of work inside, cooking or cleaning or anything like that. Most of his work was the horses, and if it wasn't the horses, he would be in the fields, tending to the trees and the plants. He spoke English very, very fluently. It was thick with his German accent though, and he is recorded to breaking out in random fits of laughter, terrifying anybody that he was next to. I guess it's said that he would literally sit there in dead silence and then just start hysterically laughing. I definitely would also feel very uncomfortable if somebody did that next to me. Now, after the travelers would drop their horses off to Johnny, they would walk in and they would meet Katie. She was the youngest and she was beautiful. She was so social. Everybody just loved Katie. Not only was she the waitress to these people who would come in and get hot meals, but she also ran the shop counter. Men would literally come in drop their horses off and stay for hours just to talk and flirt with Katie. But the really weird thing is even though she is recorded to being just breathtaking, her appearance is kind of a mystery to us. There are no factual photos that have survived of Katie. The rest of the family, we have some, but of Katie, we just have writings of what people have said about her. Most often, she is described with very white skin and curly red-brown hair. But there's a couple sites that I read that referred to her as blonde and just like nobody really knows. I'm assuming that she had the red-brown hair because her brother did, so it just kind of makes sense. Usually when you see families, especially siblings, they all have the same hair color or very close to. Another thing that made her so desirable to these people who would come and visit her was the fact that she could speak fluent English. She was able to mask her German accent for the most part and just everybody could understand what she was saying. She was beautiful, she was social, and everybody just loved her. Another super interesting thing about her is that it is reported that she had superhuman powers. Many people were reported as calling her a witch, that she was a healer and a psychic. They claimed that throughout this small community, she would hand out flyers promoting herself. She would literally promote people that she was this beautiful healer and psychic. She could contact the dead, she could heal your dying aunt, and people thought that that was true. One old man actually claimed that he was peeping on her and he had seen her dancing naked with a gypsy during some sort of ritual. Now, obviously all of these people in this case are gonna be dead. So this is a recorded 
claim, and it could have been a lie, we don't know for sure. But people would actually go to Katie, and because she was so sweet and beautiful, they would seek out her help with certain things, and that's why she was recorded as being a witch. And I find that very interesting, because witches are often very feared. Even to this day, it's become more of an accepted religion and thing that people believe in, but they still are very feared and people are still very scared of some of the things that witches participate in. Now, the people that would come and visit and live around them believed that they were German immigrants. And their very thick accents just solidified that theory. But as we've gone over old records and things like that, it actually sounds like it was only the case with the men of the Bender family. John Bender was born in either Germany or Holland, but Ma was born in the Adirondack Mountains. I hope I'm not saying that wrong. And she was actually married to a man named George Griffith before she married Pa. And with this first marriage, she birthed 12 children. And this is where Katie came from. She was the fifth of Ma's first 12 children that came from George. And then after George, she ended up marrying several times. And each of her husbands seemed to die from mysterious head injuries. Now, I can't figure out what happened to these other 12 children. All I know is that Katie followed Ma to this new home in Kansas, and she was the only one that came with. And that's where in later reports that the Bender family's neighbors claimed that John and Katie were never brother and sister, which would make sense if John was already from Germany and Katie was not. He must have been born to a different family. Now, maybe he was Pa's son, but I couldn't find a ton about that. Just that they weren't brother and sister like they told people. And they were actually husband and wife. Which, imagine how creepy that would be if you thought that they were brother and sister and you caught them doing not brother and sister related things. So already this family has a lot of secrets that are coming up to light. And a lot of the flyers that Katie handed out promoting herself as a witch attracted a lot of people to the tavern. And obviously, so did her beauty. So I don't know if it was actually that she possessed these powers or if it was all a genius marketing technique because this family's pretty freaking smart if you haven't already gathered that. But either way, it worked. It brought people around, it brought people to this tavern, and it brought in money. And pretty soon, local spiritualists decided to start stopping by this tavern to speak with Katie. And that is where it was discovered that the way the family would spend time together was throwing knives at a drawn outline of a man on a wall. They would aim, throw these knives, hit the wall, and just laugh and talk. And I get having some, you know, good old fashioned family time, but my family time has never been spent throwing knives at a wall. So that's already kind of weird. 
Now, one of these spiritualists is reported to coming across that family time where Katie came up to her and is reported in telling the woman that sometimes the spirits command me to kill and they command me to kill you now. With that, the woman who just wanted to speak with Katie about some spirituality things grabbed her gun that she carried for her own protection and fled the property, never returning and living to tell her tale to other people. And this is where the Bender horrors are said to begin. In 1871, there was a man that was found in the Drum Creek with his skull crushed and throat slashed. And nobody could figure out what happened to him or who did it. Obviously, when the Bender family was found out years later, they tied this man to them. And this is their marking point to when the family started killing. That following February, two more men were found with the same exact injuries and still not connecting these men to the Benders. And a year later in 1872, travelers just started to disappear off the Osage Trail. Obviously, at first, these missing people weren't really noticed. Like I said, this is an older case and people could just easily just up and disappear during this time. And I'm assuming that that's kind of what people thought was going on at first, until it kept happening. When they realized that these disappearances were not slowing down and they were not stopping, they decided to call a town meeting. This meeting is said to have about 75 people that showed up, including Johnny and Pa. And that's where they decided that they were going to search every farm in the area for clues. And Johnny and Pa agreed with this, but it never ended up happening. And so therefore the Bender family was able to continue their horrors. And here's where we can mention a survivor story. He claimed he was riding by the Bender's home when he looked in and noticed Katie in the window of the store. She had almost no clothing on and was looking out the window at him. She gave him a flirty smile and gestured for him to come inside. Obviously, he had some ideas of what he thought was going to happen. And with Katie being a beautiful woman, he was all for it. He rode his horse up and quickly dismounted and left it with Johnny, who began caring for it. But when he went inside, he was a little bummed out to realize that Katie had quickly clothed herself now. And she just came up and started talking to him. She had no intent on anything happening. She sat him down and talked him into eating a meal there. One thing led to another with the flirting with Katie and he agreed that he would stay the night. Now, it was also recorded that for the right price, Pa would let you stay the night with his daughter, Katie. But I don't know how true that is. It makes me wonder if maybe they bribed him with that and then it never happened because it did never happen. He did end up sleeping alone that night, obviously. But it's just weird to me that he could watch somebody be essentially naked come in and she could be clothed and just totally act like it never happened. That to me should have 100% been a red flag. That night, mom made this traveler a hot meal. 
He sat at that chair, ate his meal while the family created his pallet bed. Once they finished, it was pretty late and he decided to turn in for the night. The Bender family went to their side and also called it a night and turned in to their beds that were back there. Everything seemed pretty normal, right? But then in the middle of the night, this man woke up to find the family was gathered outside. He never physically saw any of this. This was all things that he had heard. And what he hears kind of chills you to the bone. While the family was gathered outside, he heard a loud blow and a yell to a man that was arguing with Pa. And then there was suddenly silence. He then heard the benders start to come into the store where he panicked and pretended to be asleep. And I don't blame him. He was pretty sure that he had just heard somebody die and he did not want to be part of that. While he laid there pretending to be asleep, the Bender family surrounded his bed. He is reported in saying that they watched him. They stared at him for, for what felt like ages to make sure that he had not woken up and witnessed what had happened. When they were confident that he was still asleep and hadn't woken up, they walked away from him. And that is where he stayed for the rest of the night, awake and waiting worried that he was going to be the Bender family's next victim. When morning came, he immediately got ready and left, quickly turning down another hot meal made by Ma, and he sped into town. That is where he informed his friends and the town about what had happened, warning them and telling them that he's pretty sure he knows who is responsible for these people that are going missing on this trail. But his claims were met with laughter his friends being the only people to comfort him. Everyone else thought he was crazy. No way the Benders could kill somebody. They were a sweet family. They did so many things for everybody and they were overall just amazing. They couldn't be killers, right? The town informed the man that the Benders being as great as they were must have just been playing a joke on him, that they didn't really kill anybody and that he fell for it. And that's where they also brought up the woman who had previously visited Katie. They told the man that she claimed that Katie had told her that spirits wanted to kill her. And the woman got scared and ran. And that they both just got cruel jokes played on them. And it was nothing more. And they were overreacting. I cannot imagine witnessing something like that and then having everybody tell you that somebody played a joke on you and that you were crazy. Imagine how he felt. I'm just glad his friends believed him. And with that, rumors started to swirl around the trail. So much so that people actually began avoiding that trail, being scared something would happen and that maybe somebody like the Benders would get to them. Many groups of people tried to hold somebody accountable for the disappearance, but they never had any success because they had never had any proof that somebody was involved it was just rumors after all. That was until one man went missing, George Longcore. And this is where the Bender family began to unravel. The stories and the deaths and the bodies that they were responsible for started to come to light quickly. But we're gonna get into that on the next episode of The Bender Family.
Next week, we're gonna go ahead and cover the downfall of the Benders. We're also going to cover a couple of theories about where they went and the circumstances of their disappearance. A disappearance that they wanted and made happen. And we'll go more in depth into their victims. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.